Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a couple pastor scholars dig into the Word of God using a seasonally appropriate scripture passage. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for everybody, but especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary and at Indiana Wesleyan University. My guest this week is Sophia Fasua. Sophia is a recently retired professor from Wesley Seminary, a longtime pastor, missionary in Ghana, and has a whole range of amazing experiences and a diverse amount of communities and churches over the years, ordained uh, minister in the Methodist Church, and uh, as I said, a recently retired professor of worship and spiritual formation at the Wesley Seminary alongside me. Our text this week is Deuteronomy chapter 34, Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 through 12. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already, so you never miss an episode. And as you're listening, if you're enjoying the show, hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice to pass this show along so that others may benefit as well. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Sophia. Would you be willing to read the passage and then I'd say I would a be prayer? Glad and... to read the passage and you say the prayer and we'll jump in wherever you want us to jump. <laughs> Let's do it. So Deuteronomy 34 verses 1 through 12. So the whole chapter, right. short chapter. And I've got the NIV this time. Great. Alrighty. Chapter 34. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea, the Negev and the whole region from the Valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown 
the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for the witness of Moses and the place that he uh, held and still holds in the story of your dealings with your people, really central role that he had. And so we're grateful that um, though a limit was set on his, uh, his role, uh, both in having to die and in not getting to enter into the land, we're, we're grateful that he was honored by you and that he's been honored by this text. And I, for one, find it moving, especially in so much of uh, modern life that uh, doesn't do so well with with honoring uh, the elder and honoring the dead. <laughs> and so I find it moving today. And so I'm just giving you thanks, God, for being one who one who honors your servants. And so we dare to ask now that you would uh, guide us in our discussion of this text that our eyes would also be undimmed and our strength would be uh, unabated uh, so that we might see and hear what you wish for us to see and hear, and that the same would be true of all those who are listening in across time and space. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so what, uh, what stands out to you in this uh, unique passage? What's grabbing your attention today? There, there are two or three things that, that stand out. The obvious elephant in the room is that Moses did not get to go into the promised land. And that one is a hard one and will take a little bit more unpacking. But even before that, uh, there, there are two or three things here about the death of Moses that really strike me. He didn't die because he was sick. Mm-hmm. He didn't die because he was feeble. He didn't die because he had been injured. He died because it was time. And I don't think we do well with that when we have so many ways of delaying death. Uh. I think I think we don't deal with death well. Yeah. You know, as, as I was looking at this passage and thinking about the many ways that his death was previewed. Mm-hmm. My, my servant Moses is going to die. You know, it's, it's been previewed several chapters before that Moses is about to die, but he didn't die because he was decrepit or that he was sick or that he couldn't get around or because he couldn't do what he used to do. He died because it was time. Yeah. And uh, we are a death denying culture. Yeah. We, we, we prolong, um, our lives in whatever ways that we can. Uh, I, I'm, I'm at the age now <laughs> where you have to deal with this whole um, living will and durable power of attorney for medical purposes thing. You know, the, all the stuff that you do in the, when you go through the hospital systems now. And um, I, I, I remember the, the not so long ago death of a close family member, my grandmother, and she did not quite understand what could have happened with, with the paperwork that was being signed. And she signed one of those do any and everything to preserve my life. 
Yeah, because in the abstract, oh yeah, of course, life sure, is good, sure. right? Sure, I, I want to be a laborer. <clears throat> I want to, you know, do do what you got to do. If I if I de- if I if I code, then you know, resuscitate me or what have you. Mm-hmm. But uh, by the end of the thing, they were putting her in a state of paralysis so that she could continue to breathe. Yeah, and that was no quality of life is, as far as I was concerned. Then my mother and I are fed forced with, do you override the DNR? Because we had the power to do that, but did not want to, you know, conflicts that come up. And um, then we began to wonder at that point, and this was in the 90s, about the ethics of medicine and prolonging life and not being able to say this is a point in life when, when we must let go. And I think we're having those conversations more frequently now during COVID. Yeah. how, we can't save every life, and and now we're we're nearly at two hundred thousand, and we can't save every life, and and h- how do we deal with that? Sometimes people die because it's time, and and how do you know that? Yeah. Well, with wow. Moses, we know because it's mentioned again and again and yep. again, and 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 all of that, and and it wasn't he died because anything except that it was his time to go. So it's this is a big struggle for the church right now, for church folk, for for medical folks, you know, just whole issue of life, quality of life, duration of life, the whole issue of what is a good life. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we've got that going on. Then I, I chuckled because God buried him because otherwise they've been picking <sighs> up his bones, hauling them around, you know, <laughs> deifying them. That's know, right. So Worshiping. So he said, I buried him. You won't know where, <laughs> you know. So that part is going on. And then uh, the whole issue of his not going into the promised land. And I know we've got to say a whole lot more about that, but those are the things that strike me. The whole issue of of life itself, duration of life and quality of life. And uh, obviously Moses had a decent quality of life up to the very end. You know, some of us, when we were young Christians, we would pray, I want length of days and unabated strength. I'm going back to the King James version now, you know, just as it was with Moses, Lord, let it be with me. Uh, But, but, but the quality of life and the fact that there was a, there was a, there was a time, it was time for Moses to go. Yeah, length of life and unabated strength. There's a line in some of the in Genesis you get occasionally the phrase Yeah died yeah. happy and full of years. Yes. As if which yes. fits the time, right? It, the amount of years that were appointed for him had come to their to their end. Conclusion. Yeah. There's a uh, this is maybe too random, but that 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 really struck me the there's a movie uh a river runs through it. Are you familiar with this movie? No, it has, familiar. it has a uh, lots of uh, fly fishing in it. it's a beautiful movie, mm-hmm. but there's a line in it because they have a, there's a native American kind of mentor to one of the, the sons in the story. And he occasionally makes reference to a good death, mm-hmm. having a good death and a good death. Yeah. And one of the characters towards the end of the movie, as he's, he's grown old, you know, he's had his life and dies when he's out in the woods and it's described, narrated by this character. And he says, it was a good death. And it's, it's the last line of the movie. It's just perfect, you know? And, 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 and that was very inspiring to me as a young man, yeah. seeing that in high school and thinking like, especially when it, so much modern culture just sees sort of death as this unmitigated evil. And then yes. Yes. it was that kind of 
again, a Native American perspective mediated through pop culture yes. was helpful for me in understanding the way that a lot of the Old Testament perceives death as, right, right, right. yeah, there's a bad death. So death is often comes too early and comes sudden and comes through pain and suffering, but it, right, by right. definition, doesn't have to be that way. There doesn't could just be, be that your time has, has come. Right, right, right. And Moses more than anyone has that. The only comparison would be, um, you know, Elijah and Enoch, you know, you Enoch, kinda have, yeah. there's a it, short it, list. It, it just kind of carried off, you know. Yeah. And, and we don't know too much about the particulars, except it says that God buried him. So oh, that man. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't translated, obviously, but, but God buried him. And, and it's just, and it, I would not want people carrying my bones around after that. You know, I, I, I know he knew those people and they were given to excesses and they were given to focusing on the wrong things. Mm. And so God did him a favor and said, no, your bones won't be hauled around and paraded and put on, on, on a display and all these other kinds of things. We're just going to handle this here. So um, that, the that thought of what an honor. I mean, I don't believe there's another example anywhere in the scriptures of Adonai burying a no. body that's just not a thing no. <laughs> so so now it's so on cool one, <laughs> on one hand you've got moses who is um denied the promise yeah. of him, but god buried him mm-hmm. and he is known as the servant of the lord and joshua son of Nun, is always known as moses's minister mm. he doesn't get that same accolade he doesn't get the same lifting up and 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 moses appears with elijah on the mount of transfiguration he's still lifted up in history and so now for christian leaders there may be mistakes in our Mm. offerings to god but it does not erase everything that we've done yeah you, you hear where i'm going here yes i do this is yes, not for us to sin boldly. No, we're never to sin boldly. But if there are mistakes in our, our lives, and uh, for Moses, his mistake came through anger. If I'm if I'm reading the the the, the priestly texts, you know correctly, right. you know that thing at Meribah with the water and, and, and yep. whatever, uh, and it was an angry move, but it was also an anger that uh, a little bit of the ego got in yep. there. Yeah. Do I have to give you water from this rock? You know, a little of the I have to, right? I, not God. <laughs> right. Yeah. There and that was that that was the mistake. And you want to say, oh, it was just a little word. It was no, no, no. It was the assumption that I am doing these things for you. Yeah. He yeah. was just the messenger. And for a moment he forgot that. But God still loved him. God still cared for him, took took care of him in his death. Uh, and preserved his name in in the in the in the canon of of things that we still uh, mention and read and study these days. And so you look at Abraham. Abraham was a very flawed man, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Moses was a flawed man in a sense. And that that thing at Meribah that that discounted him from from being able to go to the promised land. Uh, and, and I'm sure there were some other things too. But, sure. Yeah. But, but God did not throw him away. I think that's a, a good news piece for all of us who minister because we all make mistakes. Yeah. And God to still did have not throw him away. To still have dignity in his uh, simultaneous uh, retirement and death, which are all in one 
<laughs> piece for him. Uh, but, <laughs> but this handing over to Joshua, I mean, to say, you know, there's never risen a prophet since um, in Israel like Moses, which of course is a nice little allusion back to chapter 18 when Moses does say that a prophet like me will arise. Will arise. Um, but at the time of this writing, saying that that's not right. yet happened. And it's right. like right there after mentioning Joshua. So it's sort of like, yeah, Joshua, he ain't no prophet. <laughs> he ain't no prophet like Moses. No. 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 Um, you're going to obey him. You're going to follow his lead. Um, but uh, but it's not the same. And so there's clearly lifting up of Moses, even while, like you say, bittersweet. There's a little bit of a reminder. Yeah. So it, it reminds us that God has a standard. And, and a standard that applies to all leaders, mm. to all leaders. Uh, we, we've been reading the news and there's been some distress in the, in, the, in, the, in the church community again, you know. And so we are reminded that God has a standard that applies to all leaders. But it also helps us to understand that one mistake or a flaw that we can't overcome or whatever it might be, does not uh, completely erase us from God's memory. Right. Yeah. So it does. I mean, in, in, in Moses case, it has a consequence. It, it does. Consequence. It does it set does. a limit on his authority and leadership yes. mm-hmm. because like you said at the beginning, you know, if he didn't die of old age, that means in principle, he could have kept on going. He could have kept going. Yeah. So it wasn't that he was not capable of, of no. taking them in, but not authorized to. No. Um, yeah. And so, you know, someone, perhaps there are, mis- you know, there are mistakes that, you know, require removal from office. Or discipline. Um, yeah. Discipline of some kind, temporary or longer. And, but that doesn't have to mean, and, and that's our style in most of the churches that I know is the, it, it's either hidden, kept that, but mm-hmm. once it's public, then we just want the person to go away. Just go you know, away. Just make You're them blind. disappear. You know? Yeah. Yes. That's just easier for everybody is the assumption. And that's, the, that's the assumption. But I think that there's God no dignity in that. No yeah. dignity in that. And there's no redemption in that yeah. as well. So another thing that I see in here is a successful succession plan. Yeah. We don't see those often in real life. Oh, boy. You know, a successful succession plan. One that works. One that does not replace Moses with a clone mm-hmm. because Joshua is never spoken of in the same terms, mm-hmm. but he is successful in his own right. Yeah. He's full of the spirit of wisdom. Right. And that's huge spirit right. wisdom. And, you know, for Moses laid his hands on him. So there's that direct affirmation for Moses. Right. And the people of Israel obeyed him. And did as the yeah. Lord commanded Moses. So it's the the people are following Joshua now, you know, yeah. and that's what yeah. matters because it's really about obeying God. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll come back to that. Let's take a quick break and then uh, keep digging in. All right. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. Here with my guest Sophia Fasua, regular on the show. So great to. Have and you thank you for back. including me as a regular. I've enjoyed this. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't really plan these things out. I just have folks on and, and if they enjoy it and it seemed like it was a good, uh, we had a good vibe, then, then it's fun to sort of have regulars. <laughs> so I love it. 
And we're looking at uh, Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 through 12. And last time you were on the show, it was uh, we did the opening scene in the Moses yeah. story. So this is a nice little, again, I didn't his plan that. His story, <laughs> now we're, we're dealing with his death narrative. Yeah, which means, I mean, you know, and I don't want to press you on this. We already talked about, we ended up already getting to talk about Meribah. But uh, pretty much if there's anything about the whole Moses story that you want to make a connection to, even if the connection to this passage is vague. I mean, you know, this is the capstone moment in the Moses story. So if there's it's, anything it's really, from Moses you wanted to to pitch out while, while, while we're recording, you know, go for it. <laughs> well, so. I, I really do think that when you have a birth narrative and you see a birth narrative in scripture, that's always significant. But even more, these death narratives, mm-hmm. uh, even as I was reading the text, uh, you know, as we open today, I felt the gravity and the weightiness of Moses' life coming to a conclusion. His life was not an easy life. Mm-hmm. It, it was not easy to, um, you know, because okay, we're we're in this, we're we're entering the the fall, but we're just leaving the summer of reckoning. He had to deal with some ethnicity issues that he probably either discovered or had had pushed to the background as a child. Hmm. You know, you grow up in this 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 royal household and then you discover you're one of the Hebrews and those are the people that are out in the field, you know. Uh that whole conflict that comes with with and you know, so he's, he hasn't had an easy life. His anger, and, and you know, anger has been his his besetting sin. His anger when he you know looked this way, looked that way, and killed an Egyptian. Mm-hmm. You know, anger over over one of his countrymen being being beaten. His anger has always been a thing that he's wrestled with, and yet God was still able to use him, and he's got a good full life. But it's never easy, mm-hmm. and I think as a minister. Um, you know, I'm, I'm at the stage right now. I just retired from Wesley Seminary. You know, last last uh, June 30th, who was counting? Uh, I just <laughs> retired, but then I've, I've looked back over ministry, and I looked to see where were the fun and easy times, hmm. and I'm not sure that I found so many of them. <laughs> No, seriously. Yeah, no, I believe you. Good. No, no, it's been good. And I felt like I've done some good in the world. But mine were not easy assignments ever. Not ever easy. It's never. So so this whole idea that Christianity puts you on this easy road and easy street and ministries. So so those who go into ministry to have fun should probably reconsider (laughs) if you pass this retired one, you know, because um, ministry is work. It's hard work. That was 40 years of hard work out in the desert with a bunch of grumpy people. So thinking, you know, and and yet he is Moses and Elijah. Oh, my goodness. We love them. But their lives. Now, I I think Elijah might have had a little bit more glamour in his life. But but Moses life, I can't say that it was glamorous. Yeah, no, I mean, even the 120 years here is a is a clear signal of the. Mm -hmm the three sets of 40 that his life was, was organized around. Right. Right. So he had the 40 years 
uh, growing up in in Pharaoh's household. Yeah. And so the closest thing to to ease in his life would have been during that time. Maybe. But the closest possible, you know, but I think yeah. it would have been maybe there'd be ease of circumstance, but it would have been an awkward experience for mm-hmm. him as a, as an outsider within. As an so, outsider insider. So there would have been wealth, but um, ease is probably not the case. No. And then, then 40 years in the wilderness uh, as a double, you know, as a triple outsider, right? He's neither. <gasps> Neither Hebrew nor Egyptian. Now he's just out in, you know, a shepherd out in this. And a man on the run. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they ever find him, you know, he's an ingrate. He hasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things, a lot of baggage that he has carried during this time and probably a lot of regret in his life as he did the autopsy on how he killed that Egyptian. You know, it's probably a lot of regret going on. So he has not had an easy life, but it has been an effective life. And mm-hmm. I think that's a word to ministers who might be listening today, that uh, we do not judge our effectiveness by our ease. Mm-hmm. And Moses' life is, is, a, is a, a, a kind of a case study in that. We don't judge our effectiveness by our ease or how much we liked a thing, but how much we were able to accomplish the will of God. That, that really is the marker and the milestone that we look at here. So we have a man that gets both a birth narrative and a death narrative. That really is quite an honor as scripture goes. We've got some people and, you know, you hear that they, they pull their legs up in the, and they, in their bed and they were gathered to their fathers, you know? And so that's kind yeah, of a little, you know, little death nail right there. But, but, but this long, detailed description of how Moses died. Now, in my community, and and, and I'm African-American, in the African-American community, especially when I was younger, uh, someone would die, you know, maybe in the community or in the family, and everyone wanted to know, well, how did they die? Because the description of death was also something they, they were looking for something to tell about their lives. You know, I, I, I've always tried to wonder why do we always want to know how somebody died? But, but that's a question that gets asked. And I know it gets asked in other communities. We know how Moses died and we can look at it and tear up and, and remember his life and remember how hard he tried and all the other kinds of things. And, 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 and it feels like a fitting death for a man of his stature. So getting that description is really meaningful, especially after how he got here. A defiant mama that said, before you put him in the river with the crocodiles, I'll do it. <laughs> you know? and, and miraculously, he is saved. So he's, he's a man marked by God from the time that he draws his first breath and he takes his last breath with God. How much more would you want out of life? Your first and your last breath conscious of the the, 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 the the smile of God upon your life. And conscious of the smile of God upon your life. I mean, hinted at even in that phrase, you know, Moses whom Adonai knew face to face oh. and knew is intimate, was intimate with him face to face. Face to face. And that signals that kind of you know, that, that approval, that, that favor yeah. that you were mentioning, that friendship, that choosing. It's helpful for you to mention how, at least in the African-American communities uh, of which you've, you know, been a part of, 
the the importance of a narrative around death rather than the kind of silence around death, which is more common in among white folk. And that corresponds, it seems that you tell me if this sounds right, but that there seems to be some correspondence correlation there with in my studies, the ancient world and a lot of Mm non-Western cultures, Mm -hmm. the, the manner of death, the narrative of of the death is very important. I mean, modern, Western capitalist society is really built on the notion of, of your peak, right. Mm -hmm. In your life, right. Whether that's, you know, when you were young or is typically more, you know, in the, the, actually usually it's around my age, I'm 41. Right. So it's that, that kind of somewhere in the middle when you do your important stuff and then the rest is, Oh, that's like the, the, the denouement, the extra, but this is not, I mean, ancient cultures I've noticed, I, I, I used to study, the history of interpretation of Judas a lot. And I was really fascinated about how many of the church fathers, whenever they would comment on Judas would go out of their way mm-hmm. to say, well, this is the lesson that how it ends is what matters. You need to end well. Right. Mm-hmm. So the last moment, and of course the death narrative is narrated in the scriptures as this horrific end. Right. And, a horrific and, death. and they knew what yeah, that Herod. meant. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Herod too. Right. So the, but those narratives in Matthew and, and early in acts of Judas are, you're right. The Herod one too is a great example. I just was reading that in the daily office, I think yesterday, Yeah. Um, how there's, and again, these early, early Christians, of course, were themselves living in a kind of ancient yeah. culture that, that the, the, the scriptures made sense to them because of that mm-hmm. to them, these were not just like little afterthoughts. This was the revelation of the character of the person, right? What really matters is that last moment. What really matters. And so you've got this double um, injury going on now during the pandemic. And, and, and hopefully by the time you hear this, maybe the pandemic's under better control, but for right now, people are being denied the opportunity to accompany a person in death, you know, and that's, that's one thing right there. And to, um, you know, so so and so died alone. That's the the big complaint that I hear. The lament. It's not even a complaint. It's a lament that so and so died alone, and we couldn't be there with him or her. But yeah, then understandable, also, but awful. Oh, just awful. It is awful. Yeah. But then the the other part that goes along with that, you 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 accompany a person in death, and then you, as an eyewitness of how and when the person died, are able to carry back the report. This is yes. how they died. And and that becomes a testament in some ways, or a testimony of, yes. of the person's life. They just not you know, they just bowed their head, or they just stopped breathing, or mm-hmm. they didn't fight, or, or whatever the you know the test, testimony might be. So so we're not getting those two things. We're not getting the the honor of of walking the person to the edge, nor are we getting the uh, obligation to report to the rest of the community how it went. So there's, yeah. there's lots of lament going on that we're not dealing with. So, so now we've got the, you know, we've got all these JEPD theories of, of, of how <laughs> Deuteronomy and all that were put together, but whoever the, the author was, uh, the person compiling the story, they filled in a necessary function for an ancient culture. Right. How did he die? We need to know. Yeah, that's interesting. I, it's occurring to me that I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not a medical medical professional, but as a 
as a pastor and theologian, yeah. you know, we do know a little bit about death and, <laughs> and, and the experience <laughs> dying. I don't know anything about death, but I know about dying. I've been around mm-hmm. that. And I have been having conversations with, with some folks about um, really advocating for precisely because of this, the, to, for family members to select one person one to person. be with, yes, yes. and then they are in co- they quarantine and to prepare mm-hmm. for that if they have to quarantine before and then right right right. But that's a benefit, you know, because the medical profession for un- and they need to do what they need to do. They it's it's just cleaner and simpler to just have nobody yeah, there get out the and way. to medicalize yeah. the experience so you have yeah. the time of death and the cause of death. But right. there's no time and cause of death here. This isn't. Yeah. It's yeah. time, but not Kronos time, not 336. Right. It's yeah. Kairos time. His hour has come. You know. His hour has come, exactly. And um, the cause of death has been completely removed. The cause is merely because it's the right time, not because of any need. But then it just dawned on me. So I want to share that to just say, if there's list, anyone listening in to say, hey, look into that advocacy. That's that's a compromise Very that people are, are finding that can yes. be helpful. But yes. having said that, it just occurred to me that maybe one of the significances of this passage in the time that we're in yes. and in any time for that matter yes. is that in some, in a, from one point of view, Moses does die alone here. He did. And well, there's maybe a yeah. little bit of hope though, for those of us who do not to just, that's why I mentioned the advocacy first is, you know, yeah. you don't want to inflict that, but for those who die alone, even they ha- are not, alone, right? The, they're not the, alone. The I Lord buried them. Yeah. That would maybe be a way to honor those who've had to, who've yeah. had. Yeah. I can almost see this as a funeral text. Yeah. Yeah. I can almost see this as a funeral text because uh, we often wonder what a person saw or realized or understood before they die. Yeah. And, and, and we had no other way other than this report of knowing that he saw over the, you know, over the panorama of the, of, of, of the landscape, he saw the promised land. Yeah. Even though he didn't get to go there, he, he actually saw it. And, you know, it's got to be a supernatural feel, uh, seeing because of the, the, the landscape. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's got it's, to be a supernatural seeing that goes on. But yeah, that's worth commenting on. I mean, well, yeah, that is Mount, Mount, ne- Mount Nebo ain't that tall. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can't get on the top of Nebo. No, 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 no. And see, so, so far. So it was a supernatural. I mean, Dan is way, I mean, that would be at like, the top. <laughs> that would be like, that would be like standing in Delaware yes, across the, the Delaware Bay from New Jersey. I, I use New Jersey often both, of course, you and I yeah. both lived there, but yeah, we it's did. about, it's about the size of, of, of ancient Israel, right? North to okay. South. Okay. So it works out kind of nice, similar so shape and up size. to Maine, you know. <laughs> Well, it would be seeing all the way up to Northern Jersey, all the way up to the Poconos. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. physically see that far from Delaware. No, it's just no, not going to work. No. no. Um, and then it says all the way to the Western Sea, which would be the Mediterranean. You can't see yeah. to the Mediterranean no. from the other side of the Dead Sea. So it is really, really cool. So, so we're talking about supernatural sight. Mm-hmm. So what did what did Moses see? What did he know? And 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 even though he he died without all the entourage, he was really not alone. This is this is starting to seem like a funeral text to me. Mm-hmm. A funeral text for times of COVID. Yeah, and I mean, even if you were just to preach this text as it shows up in the lectionary, to just mm-hmm. have a time to honor the dead. 
just um, um, and especially those who who died alone to be able right. to offer to say, you know, maybe we didn't see how it ended, but we know that God did. God saw yes. them face to face. I think that could be really beautiful. Um, because of course the sad thing is most people hear their first. I mean, you say it's a, a funeral sermon, but then I think, you know, it's it's unfortunate when if your first time to hear a funeral sermon is when you go to your first funeral, there's some case to be made to say there are aspects of a funeral sermon that need to find their way into our Sunday preaching, you right. know, and the honoring this, of the dying and the dead it has a place. All Saints Day, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's not right on All Saints Day, but it would be, um, check it. I think it's the week right before, I but think it, it's, it's a perfect before. setup. You're right. It's a perfect setup for All Saints Day. Yeah, because I'm doing All Saints with somebody else, but yeah. I'm going to check it right now while, while you ask. But but the, the fact that in this this passage, for all the saints who died alone. Yeah. You know, I, I as we're talking, I'm thinking of these battlefield scenes that we see in movies. And um, I was a mm. teenager during the Vietnam War and had friends who one, one year they were playing uh, football in high school and the next year they're in a foxhole. Wow. And, and and so the the whole issue of, of not letting their comrades die alone, you know, sometimes putting your own life in peril to, so, to not do that or to sit with them while they, they died. Uh, we became acquainted with death in some very intimate ways. Uh, we were still children of the draft. Mm. The draft had not been eliminated. And uh, our friends would go and come and they'd come back, you know, indelibly changed. And usually they were changed by these, these deaths and the sight of death and, and by inflicting death. You know, that's the just war issues and a whole other conversation. Uh, I'm a pacifist, so I'll just go on record with that right yeah. now. But dealing with death, I look at this Moses passage and yes, I'm a little disturbed that he was still being punished. You know, I'm a little disturbed that he didn't make it into the promised land, but I am more taken by his death. Mm. I think because we're surrounded by so much death right now. Yeah. I am more taken about his death and, and, and I'm more taken by that. And the fact that God was very intimate with him at that time. And if it, you know, God loves all of us. So I have to believe now that God takes this care and time with every person that dies. And Jesus says, not a sparrow falls to the ground, except I know about it. Wow. Yeah. So, so now we've got whole new ways to think about uh, that transition from life to life, you know? Yeah, that's good. That That's an interesting sort of interpretive possibility for us to, to contemplate and I think we rightly in the in the first half of our conversation today, we've been focusing on the uniqueness of Mo, mm-hmm. Moses' experience, and I think rightly so. I think the first layer of the text oh, invites yeah. us to okay. see it that oh, way. Yeah. But then the thought of at, at 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 a deeper level that this is in some sense, at least as a sort of promise in and through Christ, that there's a sense in which this is. This is the, he. He's just a representative of God's love and care for every single soul, and right. that in some sense, God is always the one who is really burying you. You know, God is always the yeah. one who is, and for those who are in communion with Him, even though the body may have dim eyes and abated vigor, the true self, 
right? The self yeah. that is yeah. that is yeah. destined for resurrection still has its eyes open and has its strength unabated and in and through God, not any you know power of our own, but. I think there's something beautiful in that thought that I that I hadn't even considered until you said it to to see this as a a text of hope uh, I, for all, each think, and every one of us, whether we're a minister or not, mm-hmm, whether mm-hmm. we whether we're undergoing the particularities of of dying alone. That all of us are because, in some sense, you know, I, I often will say along the lines of you know, not everyone, you know, we don't all go through dying alone but we all experience death alone, right? So dying is a human experience while alive. Yeah. Death is the mystery that none of us know until we know it. And there, and you can't come back and talk about it until we all do. That's it. Um, in some sense, death is this radically individual experience. Yeah. Um, and to have this, a little bit of hope here. I mean, it's, it's a subtle one. It's, it's, it's a hidden hope, but it's, it's a real one. I think that's beautiful. The, the tenderness of God the, the thought of God using that hand that he had used to, to hold over the cleft of the rock to protect yes. Moses from, from, from exposure. <laughs> that that same hand is now, you can almost see that hand scooping yes. up the body and, and, and placing it in a, an, you know, an unmarked, un, 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 you know, unidentifiable place. Uh, where the he's same been. God that scooped Adam out of the clay. Yeah. Buried Moses somewhere. Well, now you're writing a sermon. Oh, <laughs> That's <my> good. <laughs> Let's take a break and come back and do sermon starters, all okay. right? <laughs> And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. We're looking at Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 through 12 with my guest, Sophia Fosua. So let's explore some sermon starters. How, what kind of take would you want to have on this? I mean, we've already dropped some seeds, but let's maybe... We did drop some seeds uh, as, as we were closing that, that whole issue of being scooped out of the clay and then being buried back in it, you know, mm. and, and, and ashes to ashes... That those are those are the visual images that come, but just the tenderness of God giving Moses the kind of death that he needed. I sat there as we were having conversation in our last segment, thinking, I I, I always perceived Moses as an introvert of sorts, and how distressing it would have been to have all of Israel outside of his tent while he was dying. You know, yeah, what? <laughs> How distressing it would have been. And so I wonder if this particular death was tailored to uh, fit what Moses needed at that time. That's a, that's a beautiful thought. <laughs> As a, oh, my goodness. Especially for two introverts on a, oh, <laughs> on a Zoom meeting right now. But the whole <laughs> idea of the kind of death that Moses had, because God promised him, you'll see it, but you won't go there. And so he took him up to where he could see it. And then he took him, you know. So, so yeah, it was, it was tailored for him. And again, it answers that question of uh, only God knows what those who are dying understand or can see as they are dying. 
only God knows that, you know, because there, there's often these conversations about, did the person accept Christ before they died? I know it was on their mind. Did they understand that I loved them? Did they, you know, only God knows what the dead are seeing and experiencing, but it, I, I believe that it's engineered to meet that person where they are and with what they need to make that transition. Yeah. I yeah, think it helps about us that with Alzheimer's patients. Right. right. I, I, I believe in a God who pierces their fog hmm. to meet them on the other side. Yeah, I mean this would be a this would be a good week for preachers who are used to uh in their sermons to to talk about other subject matters. This would be a good challenge week. Ooh, again, chance. not saving yeah. it, not just saving it for funeral preaching, but to really to do a little study and research on the Alzheimer's experience, uh, mm-hmm. on on the isolation uh, during COVID, and and maybe uh, maybe find a story or two that might be a really fitting way, you yes. know, yes, and even do some imagining. I mean, it's risky. Uh, again, might be less appropriate at a funeral but very appropriate on a Sunday sermon to, on a Sunday sermon, to take the right. moment to say, maybe even to do some of your own family history. And maybe there is a person in your own family history where you don't know their, their death story. No, uh, it, it, no. it was left unknown because they were either alone or, or for whatever reason. Or died and, away from home or something. Yeah. yeah. And to take the risk because I mean, don't get me wrong. I believe in the inspiration of scripture, but I mean, like the whole point of this chapter is that he was, there was no one else there. No one else. So that means there's no witness to this. No. And we don't know because it's not narrated how the author of this chapter came to know this, right? Yes. Yes. Now I I don't want to create, I don't want to sow a distracting doubt about the authority of scripture, but simply to say that it actually makes perfect sense to say that there's some imagination happening here. It's a divinely inspired imagination, Mm -hmm. but they are imaging. That's what I mean by imagination. They are imaging a scene that no one saw, right? And so to even experiment with that, I mean, this is a kind of sermon prep thing. That's the kind of thing where it's like, that might not make it into your sermon, but it might be good for you to do, to feel Mm -hmm. it. It's, there are certain, there's certain, I found that for me in my own preaching life, that some of the practices of empathy in preaching aren't actually in the sermon at all. It's, it's in the prep. You know what I mean? It's, it's the, it's the doing a little bit of what would it be like to actually, you know, tell the story of how God welcomed uh, this person home, even though I wasn't a witness to it, you know, just to kind of get into the experience of the author of this text. And then also as a kind of way to enter empathetically into the experience of my my people that I'm that I'm preaching and teaching. Mm-hmm. I don't and know then, how so 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 that, that that death motif, and then I am stuck with the things that are seen through the eyes of faith. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, he saw the promise. That's supernatural seeing. Only God can give you a vision of something that cannot yet be seen by others. And of course, you know, the I have a dream speech comes up because that's been coming up quite a lot, a lot lately. You know, they had the second march on Washington 57 years later and, and, the, uh, and we're still trying to see that dream. 
but it's a supernatural seeing that God can give us to hold on to a vision of something not yet realized. Now we see in the in the following years that, that that Israel realizes that dream when they go into the land and take up possession and take up residence and all the other kinds of things. But but Moses had to settle for what he could see only through the eyes of faith and know for sure that God was going to do it. That's a faith statement right there. Yeah, I mean that could be either incorporated into the sort of sermon idea we've been talking about, or that's a whole other sermon that's that a whole one could go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, this is jumping, just running with that for a moment. It'd be interesting to ask what are some of the, I mean, supernatural seeing is a gift of God given in God's choice and free election, but that doesn't mean there aren't uh, ways of preparing and opening ourselves to it. And so I wonder if one could even reflect on this passage, uh, I mean, maybe this is too silly, but to ask, where is your Mount Nebo? Where is that place where you need to stand mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that you are more? Because like we said, okay, you can't see this far from Mount Nebo. No, you can't see that far. <laughs> and yet Mount Nebo is the right place from which to see it, right? And right. so it's to, 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 to stand down in a valley and say, God, why can't I see yeah. far? It's like, well, at least come up to the mountain and then I'll boost you further, right? But- Right, he, he's, he's standing in the right place to have a vision. And, and so I wonder if there's some truth to that. We're, we're, we're chained to certainty. Mm. Can we have vision and not mm. be called a crackpot? Yeah. <laughs> well, this, that line, eyes were not dimmed in no. verse 7, is obviously a, a euphemism for you know, not blind and also just the, 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 weep, you know, the droopiness of the face versus the kind of He's you know. functioning. <laughs> he still <But> higher it, functions. <laughs> but it, but it, it, it seems to be not just a euphemism, but also creating a kind of pattern because he says, "I," verse four, "I have let you see it with your eyes." Right. right. So there is a kind of sense in which his eyes are open. You know, he is and leaning he's not in. Delirious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can we have vision without being called a crackpot? That's right. Can we have vision without being saying, being having it said that we're deluded or or we're delirious or we're euphoric or we're unrealistic or what have you? Can I have vision? Can can I accept a vision from God without saying something was wrong with me? I wonder. Uh, maybe this is this would depend on context how this would maybe fit into a sermon, but I mean. They, uh, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, my dad's generation, your generation, uh, you're on the top end of it. Yeah. It's a big generation, the baby boom. Right. And, uh, not you, but, and not my dad, but y'all as a generation are having a hard time letting go, uh, (laughs) and handing power over to Joshua, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm And I, and I, and I'm resigned. I mean, for me as a kind of Gen Xer type, I, uh, I'm resigned myself to, to know that, you know, my generation's kind of getting skipped over and it's handed over to the millennials. And I'm actually kind of okay with that. I don't really want to be in charge as a personality. So, so I'm okay. So on behalf of the millennials though, I, I do kind of want to say, Hey, I wonder if it's time 
that there's going to be dignity. There's going to be a lot, there's going to be a lot more dignity in aging baby boomers having vision while they let someone else lead. In, because y'all been, I'm saying you, but I'm not putting on you. I'm yeah, speaking no, 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 as a group. Good. Good. <laughs> y'all good. have been used to seeing the vision and then executing it. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to see the vision, but not execute it? And this could help with the crackpot thing. Yes. Because the problem with the crackpot is they're trying to then sell you something. And to say, I see it, but it's not on me to make it happen. No. I'm going to support. I'm going to hand, put my, place my hands on. I'm going to trust. A, you know, a next generation and I'm going to pray and intercede on behalf, but I'm not the one who's going to bring the vision about. And I think that's going to be hard. That's a different kind of letting go. It's one thing to just say, cause I don't know if I was in the shoes of someone who was handing off, I would not want to have a vision. I would want to not know, like if I don't get to do it, <laughs> don't, let don't me even tell <laughs> exactly. Right. And well, then maybe my, I'm maybe I'm weird in that regard, but I would imagine that no, I wouldn't be no, alone in that. I don't think that's weird, but but I, there's I a burden to see, but not get to do. You know, um, or could it be? Do you see what I see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we share this vision? Mm. I've seen it. Have you seen it too? Yeah. I don't think I get to do it, but maybe you do. See, and that's a dignified role to play. You know to share the vision that you've seen, but with the, the willingness to let another see it for themselves and make the choice on how to, how to do it. Hmm. And to articulate it because maybe seeing through my eyes, I am seeing it through my own boundaries and limitations that are self-imposed. Hmm. You, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Hmm. Yep. I may only be able to see around, uh, up to the, some edges that have always been there for me, but you've never had those edges. You've never had those boundaries. You've never had that fence. And so as you're seeing the same thing that I'm seeing and you articulate it, 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 may, it may be articulated differently. I, yeah. I, I, I see a great letting go in here. For those of the leadership generation, and and I and I have to confess, boomers are botching leadership right now. Oh, after after decades of you know some pretty amazing leadership, and yeah, but it's it's a real and man, if if the ancient world's right, and I think they are, mm-hmm. how you en- how you end is what matters most. That you tells you, the, yeah, that tells that reveals the character of what was there all along. Because some people plant the seed and then dig it up before they leave. (laughs) Put that perfectly. (laughs) Dig it up before they leave. Dig it up and stomp the sprout. You know, nothing can grow after you've done with it. So knowing when to let go. I think think Moses understood it was time to let it go, too. Yeah, I mean. He already laid his hands on Joshua. There's, there's. You say bittersweet. I mean, the bitterness in the sweet is the is the the punishment that's being mm-hmm. that's, alluded to I here. That's very bitter. Yeah. But but even that bitterness has some grace hidden in it. Yeah. Because I mean, if he really was still clicking and plugging away at one twenty, at one hundred and twenty, 
I mean, at some point it's, it's going to need to be time. And there is, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know the mind of God in his relationship with Moses, who, who other than our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, there's no human being who knew Adonai face to face the way that nobody that Moses did. And which means no one with only a human nature is comparable to Moses in a way. Nevertheless, one wonders if the Lord knew that there was going to need to be a handoff, yeah. right? And for the sake of Moses' own uh, formation, the the reason for the handoff was linked to his own failures, so that he could grow. Because it is it is important that you mentioned anger, and I agree that anger is a key element in that story. Mm-hmm. But very importantly, just a few chapters near to that in Numbers, as well as repeated in Deuteronomy that Moses was the most meek man who ever lived. And this word in Hebrew of meekness is connected to anger and mm-hmm. to the, to the management of that anger. Mm-hmm. Right. He was, trying. he was trying. So that tells you something that, that in fact, you know, this moment, it's not just this random moment that God yeah. just kind of arbitrarily punishes. This was in fact a kind of perhaps even a besetting sin. I, was, I think it was a besetting sin. I yeah. saw that as such. But that God also used because of course his anger gave him the vigor to be a liberator, right? Liberators are angry. They got to be a little bit <laughs> angry. At an, you got to have a little anger at injustice. Yeah, Human anger or something. Yeah. Yep. Human anger is is designed for to, to energize us towards good ends. It's not evil. It's just, it can get out of but unbridled abortion. anger. Yes. Yes. Unbridled anger becomes something else. Yep. 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 So I feel like some, some at least recognition that even God's punishments are often hidden graces mm-hmm. because there is a release, you know, I mean, there is a kind of giving him an end, letting his, uh, his letting the torch pass which is not just a gift to Joshua. It's, it's a gift to Moses too, you know, cause like we said, needing these people was a pain in the neck. <laughs> Who oh. wants to do that for another 10 years? Oh goodness! <laughs> and, and I looked at his ministry and I said, Oh my goodness. You never had it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Never let up. Never let up. So I almost um, wonder if he had been looking forward to a war. Hmm. Because it took wars, you know, to yes. get into oh, those, you know, those conquests were wars. And wars is it, war is a young man's game. I mean, yeah, it really is. It really <laughs> Let is. Joshua do that. Let Joshua do Let it. Joshua fight the next lore. And that's another question for all y'all boomers, right? I mean, what wars are you fighting that need to just be handed on? Handed you know? on. Handed yeah. on. This is a, a, a beautiful succession plan because Moses did spend enough time with Joshua. To uh, for them to have some meeting of the minds, and for the people oh, to yeah. recognize that that Joshua had some authority that came from God, uh, even though it was secondhand through Moses, you know. Mm-hmm. But 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 the the establishment of who the next leader was was very clear to those people when this moment came. They they've they've been seeing Joshua with, with Moses. They know that's his right hand man. I can I can trust him. God has done this. So can we do a succession plan for? Uh, local leadership, uh, church leadership, uh, family leadership, and all these other areas that uh, is recognizable as such 
and where we're not just trying to hold on to the reins and the purse strings of the church and the, you know, the, the things that go on in, in our communities. Yeah. And, and to not base that decision solely on age and on energy level. Like, like just because mm-hmm. you feel young and feel like you could do something doesn't mean it's your turn still. Right. No, that means you that's a discernment. Skills. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> and it could be, <laughs> and it could be in a matter of season, like you said, right, um, right. With the wars. I mean, it takes two very different kind of leaders to lead yes. through the wilderness mm-hmm. versus to lead into the promised land. These are two different right. gigs, two and, different, two different leadership styles. And some of us are, are not called to do both of those things. No, um, and we seldom. Shouldn't, we shouldn't think of ourselves as equipped for everything. Yeah. So, I mean, you, we, we've talked about, it's great. We've talked about all these different sermon ideas, which I hope will be fun for our, our listeners, <laughs> right? There's a funeral sermon. There's just a kind of more general dignifying of the dead, a, a mm-hmm. good all saints or week before all saints sermon. Right. There's a, there's a, a sermon here about vision and, and seeing with the eyes of faith that could be general without reference to generation. But then there's a whole right. other one that has this generational thing. And I mean, be a great, uh, it'd be a great retirement sermon. If you're, if you're, you know, uh, right. retiring right. and want to make a, make a, make, give a talk, you know, I mean, it could be right. spooky because it's death, but he doesn't have to, frame it that way. And and then we have to also keep reminding ourselves, yes, he had a life with mistakes, but those mistakes did not discount the rest of his testimony. Yeah. Because there are people who make mistakes. We make them every day. Some of us, our mistakes just weren't made public. Yeah. Yeah. There's a handful of people in my life. I won't mention names right now. wouldn't be fitting to the, the podcast setting, but who've, you know, had, you know, a fall from grace as it were and, mm-hmm. and have been disciplined or removed from posts. Um, yeah. Yeah. But who I still believe uh, are owed dignity for what they did do. For what they and, did. Right. and I've been trying to find a way to do that. That's in even public ways, you know, yeah. and to find ways, to, you know, and it's often interpreted wrongly as condoning the, mm-hmm. the mistakes mm-hmm. Uh, but to dignify a person and to honor them for their life is not the same as condoning all the choices. And I think finding a way to do that is, is a gift that, that can and should be given. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sophia. This was a fun hour. I always love interpreting it's scripture with you. It, 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 it took unexpected turns. Yeah. I had no idea where this was going to go today. I had no idea <laughs> but because the death narrative could not let us go. Yeah. And and I think it's because we often don't keep that in the forefront. Right. We hide from death and yep. we hide from conversations about death. And yet death and life are, are so intertwined and they're important parts of who we are. We're being touched by death more now than ever, you know, in, in, in my understanding of, of uh, uh, history here on this, on this continent. Yeah, it's but it's only bringing consciousness. Yeah, but it's only bringing to consciousness what is always true, which is, is mortality as a universal experience. <laughs> it's a universal experience. It's yes. So just cultural uh, habit that keeps us out of, keeps it out of mind. Yeah. Cultural habit and preferences. We like the pretty things of life. You know? Yep. Yep. Well, yeah. So thanks so much. Very, very grateful for Thank you, you and for this time together. Yeah. And so I'll say thanks as always to Todd and Eric for their great production work. Can't imagine doing this without them. Thanks to Tom Adamson for, Uh, donating the theme music and thanks to you our listeners 
As always, we appreciate you listening and passing the show around to your friends. And with that, we say, have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.